in the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to another episode of The Aggressive Life. Well, I've been looking forward to this episode for a long, long time, in large part because I've been looking forward to what this episode represents for a long, long time. One of the projects that's been most near and dear to me over the last couple of years has been a project called Phantom Lake. And it traces back to how I fell in love with motorcycles, adventure riding, and every kind of subset in there. If you look at my history, I had basically been a guy who kept my head down and just doing what guys should be doing, taking care of their family, trying to build their business or their professional life, not doing anything that's too immoral, and doing life and following the script. And then I accidentally got into motorcycling. I had sold my motorcycle after after I had um, been married for about four weeks because I needed to get a couple hundred bucks in cash. And I never went to a motorcycle again from 1988 until about I don't know, shoot, 2002, 2003 or something like that. And I went on a bike and it was great. Did a ride with some friends. We rented Harleys and it was it was really cool and ended up getting a Harley sometime later. And then, I don't know, it was okay, but it got was getting a little boring, especially after I watched this series called Long Way Round with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman. Ewan McGregor, the actor with Star Wars fame and all that stuff. And, and there's not a person I know that hasn't watched that thing of two guys who get on motorcycles and ride around the world, go through Mongolia, who, who doesn't say, I want to do that. And they were on these motorcycles, 2004 1150 GS Adventures the BMW makes. And I said, I'm going to do that someday. And what do you know? I did. I got into it. And I'm, that, I'm glad I got into it because it actually changed my life. It changed how I problem solved. It changed how I deal with adversity. It changed my self-confidence in myself. It changed my ability to keep going when you think you can't do it anymore. It changed uh, how I lead, actually. It, it changed so much about my life that I wanted to get as many people involved as possible. So I probably personally, there's got to be at least 100 people that have dual sport bikes, off-road, on-road, off-road bikes, that have them only because I've recruited them in. And I've taken trips with these folks, and I've coached these folks. It's just been, it's just been a lot of fun. Not that I'm like hyper rider guy, like the best around. It's just that I want the best for people, and I've seen this unlock things in men and women, and so I've been a rabid, rabid evangelist for it. And then I watched another motorcycle documentary. I watched all of them. I, I like them all. I watched one that really, really bothered me. It was called, I think it was A Story Worth Living or something like that. I don't know. It really soured me. I saw people on motorcycles who had accidents, and, and when they had wrecked, they had nothing in their pannier. So it was like, oh, you're actually not carrying any gear. You have vehicles that are carrying your gear. You're, you're, you're not even carrying any gear. 
And I don't know, it, it, it set me off wrong, and it did just about everybody who's in the motorcycle riding community or watch. It was actually actually a huge, huge backlash. But it just started me thinking, what would it look like? What would it look like if you actually had people go on a ride who were actually newbie riders to be pushed? What would it look like if people actually had to carry all their own water, they had to carry all their own gear, and if we took normal schmoes on this podcast, we try to have a lot of people who have a lot of things to say to us. A lot of those people are professionals, and they're used to being in front of the camera. Uh, they're professional football players, professional hockey players, uh, people who have their own podcast with 100,000 followers or some such, some such thing, or people who've, who've made millions or climbed corporate ladders. And, and I love having those people on. Oftentimes, they have something to share with us because they have a level of success. We want to hear from them. I, I love that. I love that. But I really have a heart for just what's normal dude, normal woman, who doesn't have maybe a great pedigree or doesn't have a success story of being a millionaire or doesn't have amazing DNA to be able to be a professional athlete. How about those folks who represent just about everybody? How can I push them? How can I help them have the life that they want to have? Pushing yourself physically is going to absolutely have a ripple effect across every area of your life, your relationships, your spirituality, your emotional health, and beyond. And every time I've pushed myself physically, it takes me to a next level. You, you don't have to ride. You don't have to do that. But you do need to have something that pushes you and takes you to the next place. You need to be changed because we as humans, we have lives that are way too compartmentalized in the segments. We break it up into my life at home, my life at work, my life with friends. But you and I are whole beings. What we do in one part, it affects all the parts of our life. That's why over a year ago, I took nine riders of varying skill levels on a grueling off-road adventure. We rode the Colorado backcountry discovery route and also some sections in Wyoming in search of Phantom Lake. And we did it with a film crew. That ride, the ups and downs, the wins, the losses, and yes, near miss with death. It's chronicled in a new seven-part series called Phantom Lake. It's beginning to roll out on Amazon Prime with episodes moving later on to YouTube as well. well today, I'm excited to catch up with four of those riders back with me. First time all four or five of us have been in the same room. Going to be so much fun today. And uh, those folks are Patty, Zach, John, and Chuck. We're going to tell some old war stories and inspire you to hopefully push yourself just like they did. Welcome to the aggressive life. Let's start over there with you, Patty Cake. People, what are people going to see from you when they watch Phantom Lake? Uh, my name's Patty Lane. Um what are they going to see from me? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, that's a good question. John, who are you? Who are you? What are people going to see from you in Phantom Lake? You are going to see who I am. I mean, I'm very authentic. I am that guy. Um, and, and I think more so than anything, um, the guy that I am any and everywhere I go, whether I'm at work, whether I'm with friends, I'm just that guy that really enjoys and loves camaraderie. So that's what you'll see from me. All right. Zach? Hello. I'm Zach. Uh, I think you're going to see somebody who maybe didn't know he really wanted to get to Phantom Lake, but uh, decided at some point that he did, in fact, really want to get to Phantom Lake. Good. Yeah, and I'm Chuck, and um, people are going to see tears from me, but they're going to see. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Tears, when I'm up, tears when I'm down, but man, it was, a, it was an incredible ride. We didn't know we were getting that when we cast you, Chuck, but boy, we, we, we got the emotional. I, I will say that the, the only thing that we didn't get that we should have really 
thought about this when we cast it better was we didn't have a villain. There, was, there wasn't anybody that was like hyper, hyper annoying. We definitely had a villain of challenge. Uh, but it was, yeah, the, you, you were once surprised. I didn't expect you to cry as much as you did. Actually, this is, we'll, we'll have some spoiler alerts. We actually, we did have a villain, and the villain was called Hardship. <laughs> yeah. Villain was called Hardship. We lost a rider a day for the first four days. Let's talk about this. Was, was the trip um, about the same as you guys thought? Easier, more, more difficult? Take us back there. Yeah, I, I feel like I had, I had no idea what to expect whatsoever going in. I had never ridden off-road before. I'd probably done like eight months of road road riding. And we had sat down and we had watched clips together. And it was even said then, I think, you're really not going to get a good idea of what it's like watching these videos. But that was understatement of the year. You know, mm -hmm. none of us had, had any idea mm -hmm. what it was going to be like. Yeah. So, like, surprise. What were some of your surprises? how different the off-road bike was from a street bike. Very different. And then having all the gear on the back of it changed the dynamic a lot. That was a surprise. A bit different than just riding your Harley to the local yeah. bar, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Brian, you, you said at one point, I'm a, I might butcher this, but you said it's like carrying a 1,000 pounds on the moon because of the lack of oxygen or something like that. You had a way of putting that. And I tell you what, the altitude for me was a big surprise. Just how much it impacted your physical experience when you're riding, when you're sleeping, when you're wrestling through and up those hills, man. It was, it was definitely a physical challenge beyond what I had anticipated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, we, that's one of the things that we couldn't get with video is, is we couldn't really communicate the physical difficulty. Yeah. You couldn't communicate the huffing and puffing you couldn't communicate the emotional wear and tear you couldn't there's a bunch of that stuff that just didn't come out on video and I, that's what we kept wrestling with people are going what they're they're on a they're on a motorcycle why, why are they falling down all the time well, well what's the big deal you pick up your motorcycle yeah well, you, you try to pick up 700 pounds see, well, see how you do and wearing like that times. gear yeah. on top of it so it's one thing to go out and be physical but you put on all that gear and then try to move and lift and you know, throw a leg up, it's hard to move in those outfits. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I thought the, the physical part was, like, I could tolerate it. I managed to. But the, it was the mental f fatigue and the social element in the first, like, two or three days that I felt like threw me off for the majority of the trip, which was just, like, whether it was people getting hurt, uh, people that you had, had already come to like and, and feel like they were going to be a big part of that adventure who were gone all of a sudden, you know? having to have some really hard conversations, dealing with tough conversations from like, like leadership and stuff like that. Uh, that stuff, I mean, for me at least, wears on me really, really quick. So just being, plus being totally out of your element. You know, you're just, you're stressed, you're exhausted. Uh, anybody who picks up, up on social cues, you know, is just like, is stressed by that whole situation. And, and that was before we got to the first you know, campsite. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Before we made it six hours. That was before, that was before yeah. we got off road. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Right. That was six hours to go, what, 40 miles or something like yes. that. What about you, John? Surprises. You know, I think, um, you know, I thought I'd seen a lot throughout life, especially growing up in Chicago. You've seen death, you've seen gangs. But being up 11 and 12,000 feet, I, I thought I saw death again <laughs> because I'm, I was surprised that what we saw on the video 
when we saw some of the turns that they were uh, making and actually being there with the weight of that bike and everything else that was mentioned, I, I, I just saw death. <laughs> but I, I didn't see myself dying, but I did think I saw death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was close. Yeah. So what was the biggest hump that you guys had to even, even attempt something like this? When we're talking about being aggressive, taking hold of your life, what, was the, what, what were some of the temptations that kept you from even getting engaged in this to begin with, or even throwing your hat in the ring? Doubts heading first, off? Well, and- the first time I heard the video, um, or the announcement from the platform about the trip, I thought, oh, that would have been fun 20 years ago. <laughs> and then I didn't yeah. think anything about it. And then the next time it was announced, the rest of that day, I felt like God was like sitting on me, just in my ear. You need to audition. You need to do that audition. You need to do that audition. It just was like a nagging thing in my head, and I couldn't get over it. And I said, all right. I finally said, I better pray about this. <laughs> this maybe this is God. And so I did, and it was like, yeah, I want you to audition. So uh, that's what I did. I just... But that first time I heard about it, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> That's interesting. We, we do kind of do it like 20 years ago when I was younger yeah, or when I was exactly. this. When, as, as, if, as if we're in wheelchairs or as if the best part of your life was before. Exactly. No, the best part of your life, no matter how old you are, is right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. How yeah. about you guys? Any humps you had to get over? Yeah, for me, actually, the biggest hump was the reason I also said yes it's the fear of heights. I mean, I, I don't like heights. And so the idea of being thousands of feet up on the side of mountains for me was like, this is crazy. And at the same time, you talked about kind of feeling that nudge. For me, I felt that same thing. It was like, you know what? And if I'm ever going to move past this, this is the opportunity to move past this. But yeah, fear for, for sure was a big part of it for me. What about physically? For the, for the amount of time you guys were on the, on the trip, I want to talk physical and mental physical, what was, the, what was the most difficult thing for you? I know for me, one of the things was you're camping, you're outside, you're trying to get the best night of sleep that you can because you got to be focused the next day. You got to be mm-hmm. on. And I know for me, that sleep deficit was a, was a challenge. And I mm-hmm. think it was something that played into all of yeah. our experiences over time, you know, because over the course of those eight days, seven days, man, that sleep deficit is catching up to you. So you know, trying to do sleep meds at night and have an inconsistent success with that. But then the next day, it's like, all right, here we go. We got to be focused. Every minute counts. Every second I need to be on. So that was definitely a challenge physically. Yeah. I think one thing you told me, Brian, and I, and I took it to heart was when you saw the bike that I had, you said, that's just like my bike. You're going to love that on the highway, but you're going to hate it when you get to the <laughs> you get off road. And I'm thinking, what does Brian know? I'm like, this is a nice bike. What does Brian know? Yeah. He's never done this before. Like, he's not like, spent the last 10 years of his like, life crafting this. And he's not been to nearly every state in the country in South Africa. And I'm, he doesn't know my ride skills. I'm thinking, this is a big bike. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm a big boy. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. Until I had that bike fall. And, and that's when I knew I was... I was in for a treat because I remember one time Zach and I, I don't know where we got the energy to get that bike up through one of the turns, but we got it up. And it, after that, it took everything out of me. Mm-hmm. There was no way I was thinking I was going to make it to the top of that hill. But that's when it resonated how big and heavy that bike was with all the gear yeah. and everything that we were going through. That's, that's when it really set in. 
How about you? Anything physically that um, surprised you, Zach? I got hurt. Uh, I cracked two ribs like four or five days in. Yeah, we actually see that that's in it, but we have the audio. We don't have the video. Oh, and no. people are, people are going to think that the that we're actually dubbing in the audio. No, that's your real groans. Yeah. Tell wow. them what happened there. Yeah, that was that was miserable. That was I can't believe how painful that was. Uh, I feel like only people who have cracked ribs would understand how miserable. Really, the aftermath of it. At first, it was fine, and I was like, "Don't give me the medic. Don't like. Let's go. Let's get back on the." And then I think fifty yards later. I fell again on like a slow mm. turn out of a stop sign <laughs> like because I was just so debilitated right. by, by that fact. But yeah, it was just a long, sandy gravel road. Yeah. Driving at a leisurely pace, like no reason I should have gone down. It was a long day. I think it was our first very successful day. Yes, it was. We did a lot of miles. Um, that was new for me. And it was a turn on a sandy road. And I, I just wasn't watching very carefully. And then there was this big ditch with a barbed wire fence going over it, <laughs> like like right there in the corner. And I just, eyes locked on it. And it was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit that ditch. And I did, like straight Ooh. and I fell. It was probably oh, man. eight, eight or 10 foot ditch probably. Uh, and I went right in the bottom of it and I heard a big pop. And then I was too low in the ground for anybody to notice me. So every bike passed me. Yeah, and that I was, was the crazy thing for me. The oh, thing like gosh. when we realized, I mean, we were, I, we probably went another three miles and it was like, where's that? Where's that? Where's that? And then just oh, like the man. recognition that all that time you stuck under a bike in the side of a road under barbed wire and a motorcycle. Going, in the middle oh, of nowhere. I, mean, I was happy. I was like, this ditch is better. This ditch is better than these roads. Yeah. So that, it, that was rough. It was like, you know, I can, I can get over the fact that I made that mistake falling again, like a hundred hundred yards later was then embarrassing. So on all of that, but the worst was just like when that pain set in that night. So I didn't really sleep the next two, two nights. I had to go into a Jeep so that I could sit up. I tried to go in my tent and I, it felt like I was going to die. So that last two days, and fortunately it happened at that, or I, I would have definitely quit earlier in the, earlier in the trip, but because I was just so focused on Phantom Lake at that point, it was just like, if I'm allowed to go on, I'm going to go on at this point. Yeah, you were, you, all of you guys, uh, everyone was impressive. Uh, we're not going to leak what exactly happened with everyone's story who's here today, but we had a lot of drama the first few days. Patty was the drama on the second day. Patty has a, a pretty, uh, pretty significant wreck, which was very actually surprising. I put her up, I put her up behind me. And I looked in my rearview mirror the whole time because I was just trying to watch how she was doing. Um, she was, you know, pretty unexperienced, and I was least confident of her skills. Not that I thought that she was the worst rider. I just didn't know. It was a black box for me. I'm watching the whole time like, man, this is awesome. She's, she's taking these turns. She's taking these twisties like a champ. Great, 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 great. And then all of a sudden, the car in front of me is stopped in the middle of the road. I'm like, that's weird. Why are you stopped? And I go around them, and I go, and then I go, oh, no, is he stopped? He saw something in the rearview mirror that I didn't see. <laughs> so, so I look behind me. Sure enough, no Patty, no other riders. So I circle back, and I go, this could be bad. And it was. Tell us what happened. So we, came, we started to get into the twisty turns on the mountain. We'd come out of the straightaway, and it started to get tighter turns. And I came into that. We came into the first turn. It was pretty wide, but the second one was... Uh, tighter. And I, I remember saying to myself, oh, too hot, because I was coming in hot on that turn. And I 
shifted down, let out the clutch, and it didn't grab. I was going from third to second, and I got caught in the middle of the gear, and I f- was in, it's like being in neutral, and I was flying into that turn. I mean, and it happened so quick. Mm-hmm. Front tire hits dirt, yep. soft berm. <clears throat> and I just... Bike motor flips I, over uh, you. And I said, okay, God, what are we doing now? And that's all I remember. I, mm-hmm. I just blacked out. I don't remember anything. I don't remember flipping or anything. So... Ugh, I do. And then I came to and Chuck yeah. was. You were you were right in front of me. Oh yeah, well, why don't I you tell the story? Oh right. So what no, happened? Just, I mean, you right? were driving fine, I, and and I thought at a fine speed and everything, as it came, it came out of nowhere. You just got too close to the edge, and there was gravel on the side, and uh, and you went down really hard and really fast, and uh, you flipped over the bike. The bike flipped over you. That happened like twice probably, yep. and you were you were completely motionless. Uh, I I just about laid down my my bike's still broken because I laid down <laughs> my bike did. trying. I was yeah. behind you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I got around you, but I I just threw the bike down as quick yes. as I could to run to you, and and then you were right behind me, mm-hmm. so I was in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were behind. We and were I was behind. Shut. It was amazing. We were all I was hearing right like there. you know yeah. prayers being shouted out left yeah. and right, and but nothing yeah. coming from Patty. And uh, we sat there for. I mean, we were there first. We were there for minutes, yep. and there was. Nothing yeah. at all, and couldn't tell if she was breathing. All we knew was basic, like, don't, don't touch her, don't right. move her, yeah. right. you know. But trying to talk mm-hmm. to her, and and it was, uh, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. It was a terrifying moment. I, I'll just say, as we're talking about this trip, I'm just realizing I'm there again. Like Patty, mm-hmm. you're talking yeah. about yeah. your experience, and I got a Fitbit on, and I'm looking at my fit. My heart rate, my heart rate bumped up to 108. Just you talking about it. <laughs> yeah. so it's a physical experience, yeah. even yeah. today. Yep. And that's yeah. just that's just one thing yeah. of dozens that we have. Dozens. That, that's why I wanted to get you guys outside of our normal life because you feel things you wouldn't yeah. normally feel. You mm-hmm. you have experiences that you wouldn't normally have. It, it has an indelible impression on you in a way that no blockbuster Netflix stream series is going to have. You're right. It takes uh, us there. Mm-hmm. I'll say something on that. Like I I was I'm a I'm naturally kind of a cynical person, and that was something that you said a lot going into the trip. And, and I just kind of said, like, oh, well, that's for maybe the much older person or the person who's really stagnant in their work. Like, for me, I have a lot going on, so I don't I don't. You're feel very that. stimulated. Right. And so, but that trip was different, man. That was nuts. <laughs> and, and that even, that pulled me out. And yeah. suddenly I felt like my life was sitting at, on, on the couch watching Netflix, you know? I, like, I was, I was in a whole different world. Uh, relationships happened uh, quickly, like, like I have friends that I've been friends with for years and years that I'm not as close to as I am with a few of the guys that I went with on the trip mm-hmm. now. And it was a week, right. right? It was nuts. All right, hey, let's take a break here. And let me tell you, this episode is brought to you by Groove Life. You can get 15% off your next silicone ring or watch band at GrooveLife.com. The promo code is TOME15. Right now, I'm wearing one of these rings. I've been wearing these rings, one of these rings nonstop for a long time. I love it. I love them. I can. I never take it off my finger, whether I'm working out, whether I'm showering, whether I'm in the boat, whether I'm wrenching in my garage, no matter what I'm doing. So if you want to try one of these out, they're pretty darn cool and affordable. You can use promo code TOME15 and you can get 15% off. What else about that hyper experience that you felt in the moment? That we're on something fresh here. I knew that immersion experience was going to be special because there wasn't anything else to focus on. It was going to be everything we did was about 
where we were and what we were doing. And I, I, I had a sense that was going to be special. The, the, the longer I was there on the trip and the more I processed it, to me it has more and more to do with, with Phantom Lake, which was the biggest thing I was like making fun of prior to the trip. I was like, oh, they're adding in a narrative. Like, they're, oh, they, they're trying to make the story happen. Uh, but in reality, that really became e- everything. The relationships that I, that I felt like I formed most deeply were centered around Phantom Lake, right? The mental fatigue uh, and change that occurred in me uh, happened around Phantom Lake and processing that experience, wanting that deeply, right? Uh, all of my processing afterwards centered around the successes and failures of Phantom Lake. So really the, the vision, the end game that we went with, to me, uh, became, became everything about the trip. Yeah. Right. You can't just ride around in a field for seven days or go get on some tracks and expect it to be, you know, meaningful. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a tough goal was that, a tough that really did it, right. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk. Uh, you'll give you a chance to talk some trash to me. Even though this is my podcast, you can still talk some trash to me. Because uh, my producer wants you to describe me as a trip captain. I'm not sure I like this question, but the producer wants me to ask it. Describe me as a trip captain, seven, eight days, whatever it was, out west in an unusual circumstance. What was, that, what was it like for you? What, what could I have done different, better? What's it like being on a bike trip when you've got a road captain, not just a few guys that are kind of cruising around, but you've got somebody who's actually taking leadership? What was that like? I'll say for me, I'm, I'm a leader type of person, but I'm also a follower of a good leader. So I don't have a problem being, you know, following the lead. And I think the direction that I was given being a novice, having never been off-road, some of the cues that you told me about riding that particular bike that I was on, because you have that bike, um, you made the decision after so far in to say, I want John behind me because I want him to see how I navigate my bike so he can understand to do the same thing. And, Mm -hmm. And as soon as I start doing that, I was clicking. And in my mind, I'm extremely competitive until I choose not to be. And so I thought that was interesting getting through that part and following the direction that I was given because, I mean, you know, 11 or 12,000 feet, you could die. You know, one wrong move, and I seen a lot of close wrong moves that happened unintentionally. And so I was very mindful because my wife said, if I die, she's gonna kill me. So <laughs> I was like, I gotta get through this. And I gotta, and, and I was thinking when we went up that one, um, that one hill and we saw the park ranger and he said the stuff that he said to us. I knew when Zach made it, you know, up that hill, I said, there's no way I'm going to be outdone. I'm going to get to that. It might be dark, but I'm going to get to that hill. And then that ranger came down and shared some words. And I was just looking over. And I was like, Shared some words. Yeah. He shared some words. Get off this hill. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he said, you hey know. Hey, guys, it sounds like you're die. doing something really great. People die here all the time. We had a guy die last week. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and he said he pointed to my bike on a bike just like that. It was. I saw the pictures yeah. of it, actually. It was, it was exactly that. It was. Well, I got a lot of heat for taking you guys on that trip. Who, who do you think you are taking new riders up and and I, I knew it was a risk. It was a calculated risk. No one got seriously hurt. Patty, well, some people got banged up, but no long-term effects. And I, I think it's important for us as people, whether we're on a motorcycle or not, we, we have to be in things that are pushing us. Yeah. We've got to be in situations that are making us come alive. Yeah. We've got to get outside of our comfort zone. 
relationally, psychologically, mentally, physically, and I'm just proud of you guys for, for doing that. I'm curious, since the trip has been over, have there been any changes to your perspective, changes to how you approach problems, examples of, I had this issue come up, and two years ago I would have handled it this way, but now I handled it that way. Any, mm -hmm. any tweaks in um, worldview that you've had since this experience? I think if I could connect the last two questions, actually, because yeah, they're, they're, they're very directly connected for me. Uh, I did not like you very much for the first few days of the trip um, and grew to very much appreciate you by the end of the trip. Uh, Why didn't you like me the first couple of days? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, uh, that? <laughs> it was a tough trip. <laughs> and my thought, and I, you know, I can be a little critical, is just like, man, this, this shouldn't have happened with, with some of the people who were on this trip. You know, I would have been a, a critic, right? And I think what I said at one point was, Brian keeps saying that it's like a rubber band, but if the rubber band would just stop pulling so hard from the front, it wouldn't snap, uh, was, was kind of my, my thought process. Like, oh, it, it, this could, but what I, what I realized by the end of the trip was that if, obviously, if you hadn't have been pull, pulling the rubber band as hard as you could, we wouldn't have been able to make it. Uh, but specifically, at the beginning of the trip, you gave, you gave one advice. You said, always watch the person behind you and make sure before you make any big changes that they're, they're following you and they're okay. And what I took that was is I should always be very concerned about the person behind me. And I was. It stressed me out the whole time. Uh, and it felt like I always had right in front of me or right behind me the person who was getting hurt, the person who was going down left and right. I'm sorry, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was everyone. That, I that didn't think person, about that. You actually did. It was always. You, you were the curse. Behind John when he had difficulty. I was behind Pat when Patty when she went down. I was behind Chuck. You were. It was it was every single person. You and I was just always very concerned about what was happening around me and feeling personally responsible for that. And I kept saying to myself, Brian wants me to be super concerned about this because he says, you know, keep a sharp eye. But that wasn't actually. No, we, we had a moment when we talked, and you said that's not what I said. It's when you, when you take a major detour off a road, then wait up for the group, right? right? But otherwise, like, it's Make so, sure the person behind you knows where you're going. Well, they're, right. they're going. I just totally misunderstood, misunderstood that from, from day one, and it caused me a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I realized and what was applicable to my life is that I have to be, I have to allow myself to go in front of the group. Like, I have to allow myself to push myself further than what the people around me would allow for themselves. And if I'm going to take a major detour, stop. Make sure my family's okay. Make sure my friends are okay. Like, make sure things are intact. But if I'm going to do anything aggressive, big in my life, I have to be, allow myself to pull out, pull out front, right? And that was a big moment. I think Tommy was having a hard time keeping up with the group, and I was riding next to you, and I was actually doing okay on the highway, but I kept slowing down for Tommy. And you're like, dude, Tommy will be fine. Keep up with me. Like, keep going. Uh, and that's when I said, but what about your rule? And you corrected me and you said, no, he'll be fine. We'll, we'll let him catch up down the road. But if you keep slowing down for him, one, you're going to keep slowing down. And two, he's never going to get better himself. You got to keep going at a pace. And, and those words completely changed my attitude on the trip and completely changed the way I, I operate mm. in life right now. Mm. A willingness to push really hard beyond what the people around me are, can probably tolerate very well uh, until I get to certain benchmarks, if that makes sense. That was, it was one, of, <laughs> one of the challenges in the trip. We had an unusually high empathetic factor on the group. Everyone had very, 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 very high empathy. So as people were dropping out, it was 
very, very, very difficult. I and mean, it should be difficult, right? But it was almost, I felt sometimes like people who were left felt guilty that they were still in. It was like survivor's guilt mm-hmm. or something like that. And um, I don't know. I don't know if that's kind of like our life or, or not. Some of us just don't want to pull forward from our pack if our pack is holding us down. I'm all for being in a pack and getting, helping everybody be their best selves. But sometimes you've got to worry about your own life, you know? Yeah, and you knew the end and you knew what it was like and you wanted to get a group there. And that's, that's what allowed you to make those decisions. And yeah. I think seeing your leadership and how you did that, it was very different than, than leadership that I've seen um, and very instructive for me and kind of the uh, difficult decisions that I've had to make in the last maybe year or whatever, so. So, like I said in the beginning, my initial comment was, oh, this would be nice 20 years ago. Coming away, coming out of the trip. So first I did another, I did a round of P90X, which for me was like, okay, this is awesome. I'm still, I'm, I can still do this stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I came just preparing for the trip. What reminded me, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm still in the game here. I still got, you know, life to live here. So did that, prepared for the trip was was reminding so you got, me of you that. You got a shot of youth then, just by, by being I on did, school. yeah. Cool. It, it, it gave me confidence to say, okay, I can do whatever I need to do here. I don't need to be afraid to try new things and, That's great. and step into making changes in my life. So that, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, for me, um, I hadn't seen or known any people of color who had gone up in the mountains and done any off-roading. So that was always a challenge to me to do something that I had not done mm-hmm. culturally. And then I think about, you know, where I am now, how, you know, guys like, you have to be who you are. You have to be authentic because that's the guy I'm going to use. It's too much work being someone else. And I just really needed that affirmation. And I felt like that was one of the takeaways I was walk away, able to walk away with. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the, the diversity of the Colorado Backcountry Discovery Route. That reminds me, on the trip, one day, <laughs> you know what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> oh we my only God. saw one other person of color on this trip. African-American woman. I think we, it was the day we did Corkscrew. I think it was the day we did Corkscrew Pass, right? So we're coming down Corkscrew Pass, and we had three people of color in our group. It was like me, John, and Randy um, also. And so we're, we're going, and like when she saw the first brother on a bike, she was just like, oh, my, what? Did I just see? Then when she saw the second and the third, I mean, it was like yeah. she saw an alien from Mars. Yeah. It was so funny. And then at the end, we stopped. We had a break. And I went to those two, and I was like, did that sister look at you the way you were? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, she did. And she was shocked, too, because I said, Chuck, did you see that one? Did you see that black one? She was looking. And she was like, there's another one. And I was like, okay, we definitely don't do this often. So I think it was good, you know, like you said, to, to have that happen. but. But also to see how, you know, we're all unique in God's eyes and those conversations that people don't want to have, it's important to have. And we've had some of those during those nights there. So it was great. Yeah. Man. Man, I would say for me, there is no doubt. I, I think Phantom Lake is an inflection point on in my life. And, I, and I'm not saying that to make an overstatement, but um, I think about the, I love the story of the Grinch and it talks about, you know, at the end of the day, his heart grew three sizes that day or four sizes or whatever it is. Man, my courage grew on this trip. Mm. Um, dealing every day with the reality that this was beyond my ability, the risk was significant, but choosing every day to get on that bike and follow your leadership and follow the team's leadership and go and 
get another 100 miles in and get another pass in and whatever we were doing that day, it absolutely has changed my leadership in every other area of my life. There's no mm -hmm. doubt. I, I look at this trip um, as, like you said, Patty, telling me I, I've got way more capacity than I think. Mm -hmm. I'm capable of way more than I think. And quite frankly, in some ways, the things that can get me all in a tizzy are so insignificant in terms of the risk compared to being on the side of a mountain at 11,000 feet. It's like, absolutely, I can do this. Yeah. And it's, it's changed. I can look at results on my team. I can look at decisions I've made to lead things that I feel like God's entrusted me to lead. And I do believe Phantom Lake is an inflection point for that for me. So it I would not trade you. it. It steeled me. Yeah, that's a good way to put nice. it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I've, I've actually seen that difference in you. Not that I would have said you were soft before, but no, I've, I've, I've seen a, a higher degree of tempering with you. Very cool. Yeah. For me, since since the trip, you know, it's been a year and a half. I've spent eight months in Rwanda, Africa. Uh, oh, build, that's all. That, building that, affordable that adventure. <laughs> yeah, I just forgot. Uh, so, uh, no, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just. It was a. It was a business idea that was kind of in the works. I remember even mentioning it to you on the audition, but was just very like I was tiptoeing in. I had gone on a week trip with my wife. This. And, you know, just as a result, I think in big part of that trip saying, I want to see this happen. It's going to suck. It's going to really suck to make this happen. And it does. I'm currently like in the pit, probably uh, on the side of the road with broken ribs, uh, just getting back. Me and my wife and my three kids just spent four months there. I uh, got back two weeks ago. So and it was really hard and it ended like in the worst possible way. And it's just kind of that moment where it's like, OK, sit back for a second but do I want to make this happen? Do I want to get there? Um, you know, yes, yes. So what's it going to take? Uh, and, I, and I am sure I would not have had that kind of resilience uh, or at least have been able to talk myself through that uh, with as much clarity if I wouldn't have, have done Phantom Lake. Well, there you have it. A little behind the scenes from some of the uh, characters and Phantom Lake. Some of these guys made it, some didn't. You have to tune in to find out. Other people who weren't here today made it, others didn't. You have to tune in to, to figure out what's going on there. And in fact, the first episode is live right now on Amazon Prime. So search Phantom Lake on Amazon Prime. It'll pop up. This is a seven-part series. You can check it out. Share it with your friends. I really do think there's uh, nothing like it in its space. So I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you get something out of it for your life. And I hope you've gotten something out of today for your life. Thanks for being here again on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.